It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming of Australian markets and business news every trading day. I'm David Kosh and we're coming to you live from our Brangaroo studios in the heart of Sydney's financial district. It's great to have your company. It's just gone midday, Australian Eastern Standard Time. And of course, that means the call. One of my favourite parts of the day here on Ausbiz. 10 stocks, which you suggest as viewers. We put them to a panel of experts in 60 minutes. And uh, boy, do we get some good information out of it and set you straight. And today, we're absolutely delighted to have Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners with us. Adam, yes. welcome to the call on Ausbiz. Thank you. Thank you. Good Thank to have you. you in the studio here at Brangaroo. And also, Andrew Page from Strawman joins us via Skype. Andrew, good to see you again. Oh. G'day, David. How are you going? Oh, perfect. Excellent. All right, we'll get the NBN working for you a whole lot better. Um, all right, let's get straight into it. 10 stocks, which you suggest, 60 minutes to get through them. Let's kick off the first one. And look, the first one is called PushPay. This is a fascinating business that I thought, why is a company like this listed? But when you look into it, it's pretty extraordinary. It's a donor management system basically for churches. And as a bit of a church goer, I was thinking, what does this do? Well, it, it, it helps churches manage their management and accounting rather than just the old collection box going around. Um, Adam, it has performed pretty well. It has actually, hasn't it? I mean, there's a couple of risks inside of this uh, stock, but yeah, absolutely. I think they've got about 7,000 churches in the US at the moment and obviously targeting some of those larger churches yep. in the US, which basically means that there's a lot of money flowing around, especially in the US being Ooh, a yeah. very big market. Yep. And yeah, look, it has recovered. You can see on that chart, hit that low and then it has bounced back rather smartly. So I think there's some institutional buying in there. Quite happy to get in there because some of those uh, recoveries in some of these stocks haven't been that great. Yep. The thing is, obviously, church numbers are going to be down. So yep. that needs to be uh, taken into consideration. And, and certainly... Uh, in the US, I think that lockdown scenario is going to go for a little bit longer. So potentially there could be some more softness or weakness in this stock. I think it's quite thinly traded. So yep. we need to be a little bit careful on that one. But yeah, overall, a fantastic story and would definitely help the churches manage their balance sheets, manage yep. those, those. I was going to say tips, but it's not. Yeah. It's, the, it's the communal <laughs> the collections. The collections. Yeah, uh, yeah. Adam, it's been a while. Your mother probably wouldn't like that, Absolutely. it's been a while. Absolutely. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I think it's a good business and an interesting one on the market. Yeah. Um, Andrew, Paige from Strawman. Uh, what do you reckon of Pushpay? Uh, I like it a lot. Um, full disclosure, it's my largest personal holding and it's the number one ranked stock on Strawman. So um, I've got a lot of positive wow. things to say about it. Uh, look, we, we've been with this for a while now. It's delivered a 22% compound return since it was first added um, by our members to the platform. It just ticks so many boxes here in terms of what you look for in a company. 
It's got wonderful operating leverage, very strong cash flows. It's tipped past break even. It's got a pretty strong balance sheet, lots of insider ownership. These guys, uh, as, as Adam was saying here, there's a huge market in the US for these mega churches. They're targeting, they're already the largest player in, in their niche. And they're targeting 50% of the market, a market, mind you, where most donations still occur with check. So, you know, this is 2020. So there is a big disruption going through here. They've got a wonderful position uh, to capitalize on that. This is a $1 billion per annum market opportunity that they are extremely okay. well placed to get. So, um, look, I've, okay. I've, probably, I've probably given it a very, very rosy view here. We yeah. like it a lot. Okay. So, so you know a lot about it. Who started it? Who are the executives? And and uh, are there? Um, don't tell me there are some of the big evangelical sort of pastors in the US that have started this as a bit of a side hustle. No, no, not at all. So this is a Kiwi company, uh, Chris Heaslip, and um, I forget the the other gentleman's name, but these these guys literally sort of founded this in in the mum's uh, garage. Um, so it's, it's this overnight success story that's been 10 years plus in the making. And right. it's had some very wonderful backing by some of the, some very big players in New Zealand. And it's always been, it's been set up from the get go with a, a very clear ambition, a very clear target, and it's been run very diligently. Some of those initial founders have stepped back now, um, but we've still got some people who have been on board from the beginning. And as I said, a lot of inside ownership there. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, this, this this isn't this. It's not the evangelical, uh, perhaps the cynical <laughs> side of it. You could take. It's not that. Um, but Adam's point, which is a really uh, good point, sort of um, church congregations generally going um, going down globally. But it got me thinking: could this whole not-for-profit charity sector, uh, which relies on donations, not just with the churches, but sort of other welfare and community, is that where the growth is as well? Yeah, look, I, I think we've, we've got to apply a bit of maybe what you call second order thinking to this. So church attendance, particularly these big mega churches, um, you know, their attendance is going to get absolutely smashed by all of this. Mm -hmm. But these churches are desperate to maintain engagement with their congregation. In fact, Pushpay put out an announcement not long ago saying that they've actually seen an increase in their sales pipeline as churches are reaching out saying, listen, we need a way to keep our congregation engaged. We need to keep these donations um, uh, flowing. And, and the, the whole raison d'etre of Pushpay is that you can do this digitally, you can do this remotely, so you can, oh. you can keep people engaged, you can make sure all of these things happen. So I would actually say, you know, what, when you dig below the surface, their value proposition is enhanced. Not only that, but I think oh, it was about okay. three or four weeks ago now, they increased their guidance for the current year mm. based, based on this. And, and with so much money coming from the US and what we've seen with the, uh, the Aussie and Kiwi dollars, they're actually going to be bringing in a lot more money, local currency. It's, 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 so, a current, so. it's a currency play in the hands of God. Um, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> uh, let's go uh, back to something a bit more traditional now, um, Adam. Yeah. RPM Global Holdings, uh, sort of, what do you say, um, um, an industry, mining industry software sort yeah. of consulting business? Consulting business, and it's, it's an interesting one. I, I probably wouldn't be looking at this or putting this on my radar. Um, I don't know why sort of people are looking at this one, but 
I mean, certainly large cap miners uh, have an inherent for safety, yeah. and one of their one of their sections are is is online safety tools, those kinds of things as well. Um, ah. Again, it's had a it's had a good recovery as well. And look, you know, mining services will, and we saw BHP's result uh, coming out. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah BHP's yesterday. Yesterday, um, they're pulling back on capex. Right. So you know. All of these things that potentially aren't uh, core to the business will get hurt a little bit by that pullback of spending money, basically, yeah. uh, uh, on it. So it's an interesting business. I couldn't find any real research on it, so I don't know if it's really been well picked up by the market. So yeah. maybe there, inherently there is an opportunity yeah. there to take uh, advantage of that. But yeah, it didn't really excite me when yeah. I... If you hold it, I'd hold it because, look, there's been a nice recovery. But I wouldn't be stepping back in. I'd step back in around and that it's sort, sort of sort of a, as a sector, yeah. As well, uh, it gets burnt when big big resource stocks come under pressure. Don't Absolutely, they? we're seeing that already now. Uh, yeah. With I mean, BHP has only got ten percent of its revenue due to oil, yeah. uh, but obviously the oil price is then definitely hurting a lot of those energy sides of yeah. the business. And then you know, iron ore is doing doing very well and holding you know Rio, Fortescue, and BHP up quite nicely at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. They'll they'll look for that uh, trimming of any kind of excess uh, costs. And I feel this one would be in their sights uh, to sort of re or pull okay. back at, at the start. All right, Andrew, what do you reckon? RPM Global. Yeah, I, I really like the business. Um, so this is traditionally sort of a mining advisory services kind yeah. of business, but very much in recent years move, moving into software. They've got a really nice bit of kit. They've spent a lot of money in R&D developing this. And the total contract value and the annual recurring uh, revenue component has been growing really strongly. And, yeah, you know, it's the cat's yeah. out of the bag in terms of the attractiveness of this model is is in the sense that you get these wonderful, reliable cash flows. So even when times get tough, this is enterprise grade software for very big operations. I don't think you cut back on that lightly, um, especially given the integrations involved and especially given most operations are still operating, even though their profitability will be hurt. New sales will absolutely suffer. I mean, no one's going to be spending extra money in this environment. But it's also worth noting that the value of a business is really to get technical for a second, is the total value of its lifetime cash flows discounted back to an appropriate level. So even when you see very big dislocations in the first couple of years, the, the, the real meat of a company's valuation is in that longer tail. So one of the things that I think is really relevant, not just for this company, but for all companies, for investors in this current environment, is you need to ask yourself, what does the longer term picture always look like? And I think when you see a big hit or disruption to earnings in these in these uh, in the first several years, that definitely reduces a, a, a sensible appraisal of valuation. But it doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, objectively argue for a fifty percent or even a thirty percent pullback. So I, I think with a business like this, which has got a good runway, very big clients, very strong growth, very sticky revenues. Um, it's not too not too bad at all. So the the PE at the moment, I should mention, it's a profitable company now as well. PE is about forty on well will be this year, about forty on a forward basis, which is up there compared to what what you might traditionally um, see as as normal. But you have to factor in that very high rapid rate of growth and run and long runway. So I, I actually like RPM a lot. Our um, third uh, stock, um, Andrew is. Um is Batcar sort of the, what, car accessories, parts business? 
Ba- Babcor, yes, that's right. Um, now, you mentioned at the start of the show that you couldn't get any love on yesterday's one. So this is three for three. I like all of the ones so far. <laughs> um, uh, Babcor, another very popular one um, with, with straw man members. This is an so these guys do uh, wholesale parts. Um, so they're, they're they're supplying workshops and the like. They've also got some retail component as well through Autobahn and Midas. Although worth remembering that that's about sixteen percent of their total group operating profit as well. Um, so this this business has been showing top line, oh, sorry, bottom line earnings per share growth of about twenty percent compound plus over the last three years. Real consistent um, return on equity, sort of 10 to 12 percent or so. Um, yes, they've absolutely been impacted by the COVID-19 um, pandemic. Uh, they issued a trading update, which showed that business was holding up much better than you might have expected mm. in March. But I think April is going to be a little bit worse. They've raised $180 million um, and hopefully another $30 million through the retail component of that, which will significantly strengthen the balance sheet. But look, on a forward basis, the PE here is around 15 or 16. This is a business that is probably likely, again, when things get back to normal, probably likely to get back to sort of upper single digit growth. I think the management team is one of the best management teams you've got on the ASX. Um, uh, it's going to be tough for the next six to 12 months, but longer term, I think this, right. is, this is a good business. Okay, good business. Maybe the cycle's working against it for uh, six months or so. No need to rush in. Yeah, and the thing we've got to remember too with these guys is that it's actually, um, this is an unusual situation at present, but generally speaking in recessions or, or economic downturns, what's one of the first things to go? It's, it's new car sales, which means that everyone keeps their old clanger going much longer, which is actually a positive. And there's some really good research that shows that traditionally in economic downturns, these wholesale parts suppliers tend to actually hold up extremely well. Um, so it's got a lovely defensive characteristic to okay. it. Okay, uh, what do you think, Adam? Yeah, look, I think at the moment uh, the share price basically or is showing that um, that the price is 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 fair. I think with that PE of fifteen, a little bit concerned about their net to debt equity ratio. It's about forty six percent. But however, I think with this placement of one hundred and eighty mil plus the thirty mil on the SPP, that'll bring that debt down to around about twenty six percent, which I think is is definitely within management's range. So I think right. they're, they're they're working on that. Um, there certainly are some tailwinds. New car sales uh, is, is going to be an issue because obviously uh, they need to get those parts and, and those things moving. Um, and, and driving or domestic travel is, is, is a risk. Um, you know, if everyone's keeping their cars parked in the driveway, there's no turnover, there's no parts being used and then those kinds of things. So I think the valuation is under demanding at the moment. So I like it. So I'll be a buyer of it. Right. Um, however, those 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 headwinds are going to be quite significant going forward. So I think you just need to take that into consideration yep. when you're actually thinking about investing on this one. Yeah. yeah. And probably one of those stocks if there's a big pullback in the market. Yeah. And um, we're sort of seeing a pullback in the market at the moment. You know, last couple of days, we've yep. seen that sort of market coming off, oil price coming off, those kinds of things. But I do feel this is well placed for the recovery going mm. forward. And look, yeah, picking up some of these because it was a market darling for a long time. Couldn't do anything wrong. Right. Uh, and then obviously been hit with everything else as well. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you like to pick up these businesses at a bit of a discount. That sounds like it's well run. Very much so, very it's much up. so. All yeah. right. Um, our full stock today, the Citadel Group, um, management information company. Mm. Adam? 
What do you think of the Citadel? Yeah, look, it's it's in the, obviously in that info in the IT space. Um, Altium's probably my top pick yeah. at the moment. This one's probably number two or three, so it's it's probably not the the best out of the bunch. But I do see that they'll have minimal uh, impact on from the coronavirus. Um, they basically are contracting to governments and uh, to larger bodies, so there is that sort of dependence on that. However, they are, the company did say that their guidance for 2020 is intact. However, um, it is dependent on a strong rebound from discretionary government spend. Oh, okay. Now, discretionary government spend, <laughs> I think, in this environment is pretty much going to go out the window. So I think the floor on the share price or the earnings is there. It's now more risk to the upside. Yep. Are they going to make or hit those, hit those higher levels? Probably not. So you might see a little bit of a subdued uh, outlook on Citadel Group. Um, Drew, uh, Citadel. Yeah, another one, uh, number four in a row, and I, I like this one too, David. Um, these guys, these guys have have got to win the medal for the best time uh, acquisition and capital raise in history. They they made this very big acquisition in the UK market uh, for a company called Wellbeing, which does uh, software. Mm. Uh, uh, to the healthcare sector without getting into the weeds. And they raised a bunch of money just before the coronavirus market um, impact w w was felt. It did mean that the, the retail component completely fell through, but um, they just got in on the skin of their teeth. It was a very, very big acquisition. So traditionally, these guys being uh, cons technology consultants to, as Adam was sort of saying, um, uh, government and, and big enterprises, now very much in health um, and more than I think about 60% of their of their operating profit now coming from health software. Um, the NHS over in, in the UK, which is where wellbeing is located and got a 25 year pedigree there, they are spending a huge amount of money uh, to modernize that, that system there. And these guys are extremely well placed with their existing product set able to be cross-sold into that. So anyway, without getting into the detail, a lot of strategic rationale. <clears throat> Shares took an absolute smack um, when all this happened. They dropped 75% top to bottom. And then in the last month, they've doubled. They've come back 100% as, as people realize that perhaps that the panic uh, got a little bit too carried away. So um, I, I do like the business. I do think it's actually come back to a level that's more realistic. You will find with these sort of companies that the, the, the services component really dries up. They're going to find it tough to sell into this environment with hospitals really focusing on this crisis. It's going to be hard for a sales rep to rock up and, and you know, pitch, pitch a, an overstretched um, health, uh, health organization on, on a new bit of kit. But again, I think you have to look longer term. The key with investing is that you've got to skate to where the puck is, not where it is now. So we know that this is very dire right now. You have to look three, five years out and ask, where is it then? And is the price today reasonable to that outlook? And I, I would say, yes, it is. It's not a screaming bargain. Perhaps a month ago it, it was. Um, but I, I think you've got good management here, good prospects. If you buy it today, expect a very bumpy ride. But the long term potential is there. Yeah. Uh, Fitzdog on the call for this afternoon, uh, BWP Trust, um, sort of, Adam, this mm. was the, the property trust to hold all the Bunning stores, Correct, was correct. And yeah. price to perfection, I think, here, so it's a sell right. for me. So ah. I, think, I think absolutely. Um, the biggest risk that I can see from this business uh, going forward is that a third of their leases are expiring in the next three years, next three calendar years. Ah. So one in one in six or so has to be, uh, if they're not renewed, um, that will definitely put some pressure uh, on, on the trust 
as, as a whole. Um, their, weighted, their whale or their weighted average lease uh, expiry, so is about four and, a, four and a half years, which is quite short compared to a lot of the other REITs that are out there. They look for sort of six to eight right. average leaseholding uh, years. So four is a little bit low, and that's really showing that, that there is going to, it's like lemmings, you know, they're the next going to fall off the bridge or fall off the, the cliff next time. So I, think, I still think that, that it, it, it's okay, but we've got to sell on it. Um, and I think it's price perfection at the moment. So I'm really not a fan of it. Right. Um, I am certainly haven't been a fan of a lot of the REITs of late. Shopping centres, definitely, uh, we, we've been selling out of those. Goodman Group's probably the only one that I've been really looking at, or, or like a Next DC or something like that, yep. which has got data storage. The data centres. The growth yeah, engines, yeah. really, instead of the Bunnings of the world, which really, yes, they're going to do well in this home environment, but yeah, I think um, they'll be looking for lower leases. They'll be with this environment in hand. They'll be looking for to turn those uh, that that rental down right. to help with the lower cost of sales, which will then effectively hit Bunnings Trust. Okay, Andrew BWP. Yeah, look, it's 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 a as far as a retail invest uh, investment trust is is concerned, it's 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 good. Um, it's it's not my cup of tea. It's not the pond that that I fish in. Um, you got to remember, I suppose, with these guys, it's a symbiotic relationship with Bunnings, um, and so you, you, to to have a proper appraisal of BWP Trust, you need to have a pretty clear view on on Bunnings. Um, I think Bunnings is one of the best retail operations in the country, um, uh, probably the best. Uh, I think that I think Adam makes some excellent points. I mean, one one thing that'll wipe out a, a, any kind of trust like this is if occupancy falls away or the lease negotiations go south. But at the same time, I think Bunnings has a pretty big uh, equity stake in this. They need each other. I think it's likely that things will renew, probably under more favourable um, lease conditions. But come back to first principles here. Is this business around in five and ten years? I'd say yes. Um, is it attractively priced? Probably not. Um, very very low interest rate environment is, is the X factor here. If, if we see these extraordinarily low interest rates, the 5.7 yield, albeit unfranked that you've got it this time, actually looks pretty decent. And and this yield trade that we, we saw not that long ago when rates really started to fall can actually be quite favourable for these kinds of assets, even if the distributions aren't growing as strongly as you'd like. So from a fundamental perspective, I think longer term, on average, you can probably expect inflation-like levels of growth. Add that to the current yield, and that's a very rough approximation of what your total return will be as a long-term holder. Mm. And if that sort of five to seven percent total return floats your boat, then then you could do worse. But as Adam said, there's, there's probably there's probably better alternatives out yeah. there if, mm. if if you're prepared to take a bit more risk. And recap, uh, big tick from uh, both of the experts, the panel here today on push pay, split decision on RPM Global, uh, Batcore. Um, yes, a nod, but no need to rush. Um, Citadel, a bumpy ride, split decision uh, there. Probably if you were looking at that tech sector, Adam likes Altium a bit better. Um, Andrew's saying be comfortable with both because they're tech stocks, which are vastly different. And uh, BWP uh, Trust, uh, a sell from Adam and doesn't really float Andrew's boat at all. So I think that sums up where we've got so far. Let's kick off the second half. Remember, 10 stocks, two experts, 60 minutes. And um, our sixth stock is the... Uh, Andrew, do you want to kick 
this one off the BetaShares Financial Index, uh, an ETF. Yeah, so, um, and again, I apologize for my internet connection. It seems a bit dodgy here. Right. But um, so the BetaShares ETF is is one that, that tracks the financial um, sector in Australia. So you've, you've actually got two thirds of the assets that it holds are the top four banks. 27% of the funds in this ETF are in CBA alone. Um, wow. So, uh, you know, which which is fine. This is the, it, it's an ETF that's, you know, raison d'etre is to target this this kind of sector. But I, I as, a, as a direct investor, don't get it, frankly. I mean, if, if, why not just buy the banks and save yourself a, a management fee that, that you're going to have to pay, uh, albeit, I think, only 0.3, 0.4% management expense ratio. You know, it's, it's not that hard to directly buy the banks. But the broader point that I would make is that I think the banks are in trouble. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go near them at this point in time. You're looking, you're looking here at a sector which is still down about 20 odd percent from the highs. But th this, is, this is on the cold face of the economy. And we know what's going to happen here. Um, th there's, there's no expert or economist out there that's saying that this is going to be a picnic in any way, shape or form. We're going to see increased loan defaults. We're going to see reduced net interest margins because of what's happening with interest rates. We've seen loan um, uh, forgiveness and loan holidays and all these other kinds of things. It's just, it's just hard to understand where the growth is going to come. And, and even with that, you've got, you've got prices here that really aren't reflecting, I think, the gravity of the situation. In Australia, we've got a very, I think, unique view on banks because they have been such wonderful investments over decades and decades and decades. And, and we haven't had a recession in close to 30 years here, so we see them as bulletproof. But we've got to remember that they are extremely... Uh, cyclical businesses, and we are going into a very, very tough time economically, and one that will take a while to, to recover from. I just, I think the market is pricing a V-shaped recovery for the economy. I, I don't think that's likely, and I think the banks have got further to fall. So, if given that view, um, I wouldn't be buying this ETF mm. for love nor money. And and Adam, I suppose you, yeah. as Andrew was saying, you've got to take a sector view on this, is it? Because it, it, right. it tracks the index, and yeah. you've got to decide. Do I think financials are going to be great over mm. the next five years or not? Yeah. And it really, and as Andrew said, it really comes down to that weighting. So yeah. 20, 25% of the portfolio in one stock being CBA now, it's the best in Australia, it's the biggest, uh, all of those kinds of things. But really, go out and buy the individual, you know, a yeah. couple of individual stocks and you'd still get that replication. Albeit it does have some other, st uh, other finance stocks in there that's categorised. So QBE, IAG. Suncorp, right. so you've got your insurances rolled into that as well. So there is that bit of a diversification that I think is, is worthwhile here. Um, however, I, I want, you know, I, I like ETFs and I'm a user of ETFs, no doubt about mm. it. Um, however, this one is too uh, narrow for me. I like the index ones where you buy 200 ASX 200 or right. you buy the S&P 500, you know, the big ones. I think this one is too narrow in its in its thinking and probably loses its mark with a lot of investors. The dividend yield that I looked at it today was still at <coughs> 7.7%. Well, now that is going to go down. Uh, mm. We know that. So don't don't be looking at that dividend as a as, it's a dividend trap and I wouldn't be quoting that one to clients going forward because that will come back. Yeah. Would would you be a, a buyer of financials at the moment, say the big four banks? Oh look, I'll, or, I'll, I'll do Andrew's point. 
They're Look, ju just going to wallow. It's definitely going to go sideways for a while. We've done the modelling on uh, reduction of 30% dividend uh, yeah. with a payout ratio of 70 to 80%. What does the share price look for that? And then we've also done a reduction on, uh, sorry, we've done the numbers on each one of the big four banks having over $4 billion worth of bad debts. Oh. Okay, and rolling that all into one, um, we've then come out with some prices or some share prices. Now they are a little bit further lower than where they are today. Right but not much lower. Oh. Okay, so I feel that we've seen a recovery in a lot of these stocks. The bank stocks haven't recovered. Mm. So I think the market is pricing in probably the worst. Commonwealth Bank under 60 bucks where it is today, probably not a bad buy, mm. you know? I mean, you wouldn't be putting everything in, but you'd start tipping, dipping your toe in. Because we've done these modeling, because we've done these strength tests on the banks, yeah. We're still fairly comfortable. And there was an article in the Fin Review today saying that potential banks are, are going to be able to pay their dividends. Right. So we've done the modelling in the worst case scenario and still come out with okay. the, sort of the share price. And I suppose if they, um, they please on the positive yeah. in terms of everyone is building in that negative and if they can come in better, Absolutely. they might rebuild confidence. Well, it's the old Macquarie model, yeah? You, yeah. you sort of give your guidance going to be a little bit softer, but then yeah. you come out and you beat it every time. And they've got a few new chief executives in Correct. there too. But clearing the, clearing yeah, the, yeah. the skeletons You get in, you closet. get rid of the skeletons, blame the previous bloke and yeah. off you go. Yeah, it's standard right. operating. Uh, Renzi Healthcare. Very timely. Yeah, it certainly is. What do you reckon, Adam? Um, all the private hospitals are, yeah. are heading back into operation? Well, as of uh, Scott Morrison saying yesterday that they're going to start the opening by Monday. Yep. But then Ramsey Healthcare coming out today and raising $1.4 billion uh, to shore up their balance sheet. Yep. The issue with me with Ramsey is that they've got around about $5 billion worth of debt. Um, they're raising at a price of $56, so a decent okay. discount. Decent discount, yeah. To the share price as of today. And there will be an SPP, a share purchase plan for existing shareholders. Oh, so retail investors. Retailers will, will get an at, at the same price at yes, fifty six. Yep, yep, yeah, absolutely. Right. So uh, you'll be able to. I think you'll be able to buy up to thirty thousand dollars worth now. Uh, well, that's good. At least this one is one company in yes. its raisings that's looking after retail investors absolutely. because absolutely. they've been cut out a bit. Uh, a lot of the institutional raises, yeah, absolutely. Awful. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so Ramsey, you know, there's is, is a balance for me on this one. You know, you've got potentially you've got day hospitals starting to open up sooner than than later. Uh, then, you know, in France, which is where their other sort of major area is, that's really not going to be opening up for a while. So no. you, that that's going to be a bit of a drag on it. There's a lot of debt there, so I'm just a little bit concerned about that debt and what they're going to do. They've turned around and said that they're going to uh, shore up their balance sheet, keep the business moving, you know, all that yep. kind of stuff. For, and it's a lot of money that they're raising, sort of $1.4 billion in market cap, I think, of around about 26 so, um, you know, that's a fair bit of their capital that they are raising. So my recommendation to shareholders is to take up their rights or yep. take up their share purchase plan. You don't want your slice of the pie decreasing uh, as you get more, uh, get more diluted uh, across this. Certainly they've opened their hospitals up for COVID-19 and, and they've been allowing people to use their, their services. I don't know what fee they're charging for that. Yep. So I don't, that, that'll have to come out sooner or later. But I think it's a real step in the right direction for the government to yesterday saying, okay, elective surgery, we can start opening that up again. And I think that is definitely a positive for Ramsey. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, so Ramsey, um, 
to give you some context here, I mean, the, these guys have done really well for shareholders um, over their time. Over the last 10 years uh, alone, um, shares have gone up about five times. Um, uh, they've always had attractive metrics. The return on equity has always been attractive. Earnings per share has increased every single year since then. Um, and they tend to be pretty prudently run. Um, the, the, the black mark against Ramsey has always been, though, as Adam rightly points out, is a very, very high level of debt. Now, debt isn't necessarily a bad thing. Most Australians have debt against their house, and that's not considered hyper-risky. Um, so it depends on the asset. So like, at, with toll roads or Sydney Airport under normal situations, people are happy to lend a lot of money to these enterprises because they're seen as very safe bets, safe assets to, to lend against. And I think what this current situation shows is that when you do get the so-called black swan or grey rhino or whatever you want to call it uh, event happening, it really, it really does pose a bit of a risk. And we've seen this very discounted capital raising as a result. So 13% discount to a price that's already beaten up. You're actually buying in and about close to 28% below where it was at the start of the year. And they're issuing about 11% new shares. Um, so it's it's a very, very big move. And even after that, they've still got a, a fair chunk of, of debt on there. Um, Look, having said all of that, I think it's a good company. The debt has always made me a little bit uh, uh, cautious of it. Um, uh, I, I think that as as we roll past this this current environment, the longer term investment thesis is more or less uh, unchanged. I think I haven't done the proper numbers accounting for the new shares, but I think you're looking at a price to earnings ratio of about thirty at present for a company that's probably likely to grow at sort of low single low double digits sort of rate over the next few years before maybe steadying out at about five percent or so so it's it's rather richly valued there's a fair bit of debt on there yes a good history but i'd want personally a bigger discount before i took the plunge okay but uh while we've got you there andrew and given the turmoil in the uh, in the oil market at the moment what do you think of oil search which is our eighth stock that's been suggested by viewers that they want an opinion on yeah, no, stay the hell away um, would be my, um, uh, my two-second take. I, I think last week when I was um, on, I, we sort of mentioned that the, these, these commodity kinds of plays are always very, very um, dubious. But statistically, the odds aren't in your favour. We've seen, we, you just look at uh, any long-term experience with oil search and a lot of these, these companies, they don't tend to deliver for shareholders. We've got this every... Every headline in the world now is on, on coronavirus, but we've also got this massive story in the oil market, which under normal circumstances would be dominating everything and, and be enough on its own to drive markets deeply into the red. And now we've got this in conjunction, obviously it's related, the, the, the reason, but this is happening in conjunction with everything else. Um, and no one really knows what's going to happen here as well. The, 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 the biggest structural story here at play is that the US transitioning to a net energy exporter in uh, in the last decade or so, which has really changed the dynamics here. Um, it's a highly, highly leveraged sector in the US, much higher cost production. So not only is, is this current situation with oil prices going to run havoc there and in all related sectors around uh, in, in the Australian market, but but in particular the US market, where it's actually a very big industry, it's going to have very severe economic consequences. Yep. Um, and and it's just, it's a lot of irrational play. We saw what Russia and, and Saudi was doing against you. You often see a lot of irrational kind of behavior here. So when you're, when you're an investor and you're trying to look into a crystal ball as to where is this company 
in five years' time, what an underlying commodity price is doing. It's just it's just a very, very yeah. foggy, opaque outlook. Yeah. And so for, for me, it's just and, – and oil search is probably one of the, I think, from memory, one of the highest leveraged companies in this space as well. So it's just – it's not yeah. attractive for me. And it's one of those sectors that there are whole lots of geopolitical – Global absolutely. games being played that absolutely. affect your atomers, and it's so. Well, P and G, you absolutely yeah. hit the nail on the head in Papua New Guinea orbit. You've got some of the largest oil producers in there with that project, yeah. and all are vying for it. The P and G government, which had has done previously, turned around and said, "Okay, we're, we, you, you don't get any access to it." <laughs> they which did that with Bougainville, didn't they? They yeah. did that. They've done that with Intrepid Mines. They've done that with yeah. a lot of these things, and that's a really good sign or, or uh, a flag for investors is to actually look at what you're investing in and what are those geopolitical risks. Yep. Because there are governments out there that will continue to uh, basically to pull the rug from out from underneath you and you won't have anything. Oil search is definitely leveraged to the oil price. Now, can oil stay at zero, 10 bucks? Can, can it stay there forever? I don't think so. So, you know, if you are leveraged and you do have a view that potentially oil is going to go higher, now, maybe not at $80, maybe not at $60. Yeah. Most analysts now have brought their forecast down to around $45 to $50 a barrel. Okay, so albeit most of the analysts now have come from 80 bucks and, and, and revised earnings down. But I think oil is going to be one of the biggest reflation trades or the ones that, the, the trade that is going to do very, very well when this everything starts up again. Right. So oil search has had some problems. They tried to get rid of their Alaska project before this market fell over. They weren't able to do that. Now that's a big, big thorn in their side. They raised around $700 million. They've still got a billion, I reckon they've got another billion dollars to raise. So it could be that they might have to come cap in hand back to the market again. And again, that's another issue mm. for shareholders. It's a sell for me, right. but if I would do anything, Woodside would be the one that I would stay because that's got the balance sheet, that's got the, the, the security there, and, and, and it's yeah. the bigger of the bunch. But uh, Santos also is, is, is a good leverage to oil recovery as well. Right. When okay. that's going to happen, I don't know, but certainly there will be that trade and it will be a fantastic trade once oil starts. Okay. All right, our, our ninth stock, so a no from uh, both Adam and Andrew on oil search. Um, Sol Pattinson, mm. Adam, everyone usually gets uh, sucked in and go, oh, they're the chemists. Yep, uh, not, not so much no. anymore uh, <laughs> exactly. these days. Yeah, look, Sol Pats is an interesting business. We're talking about dividends. Uh, this, this company has never had a backward dividend in its entire ah. uh, trading history. It's sort of an investment company now, It's an investment it? company, yeah. absolutely. So they hold uh, a large portion of Brickworks. They hold a large portion of TPG Mobile. Uh, they mm. do uh, some coal and, uh, and some energy assets. So they're uh, a mini Wes Farmers, right. if you could say, sort of that conglomerate trying to uh, investment house. Yep. Their investments are actually quite solid uh, as far as Brickworks and, you know, potentially for the old world of investing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that is certainly something. We've got a buy on sell Pats. We like it. The dividend's mm. strong or s- stable there. Um, TPG uh, just got their go-ahead to merge with Vodafone to allow that sort of third carrier uh, here in Australia. And that's a real positive because they own 25% of TPG. So that's good. I think coal is the one that's really hit them. They've got some large positions in some of the larger coal stocks here on the ASX. And that has certainly hurt them as well because obviously coal isn't the flavour of the month at the moment. Um, So that's been a big of a hit uh, to their business. But Brickworks, I think, is a really actually amazing Mm. business. Doesn't just make bricks these days. Because of the land size that they have around uh, Australia, they've been able to then work with Goodman Group, 
to put some industrial parks in there and then taking the rent from that yep. going forward. So there's a couple of things. So the quarry guys... gets an afterlife, which Correct. is which is pretty attractive. We had CSR on the on the call last week, yeah, and the panel said no to CSR, prefer Brickworks. Yeah, because of, because of that, yeah. um, because they're all in fa- fantastic locations because they were built a hundred years ago, yeah. and they're right in the centre of the city or, or close to when they were miles away back in a hundred years ago. So now, doing that joint venture with Goodman Group, getting those industrial parks up and running, they take a nice fee yeah. uh, for not really doing mm. too much. Okay. So it's, it's good business Brickworks. All right, so I like it. Like sold pads, um, Andrew. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, Robert Milner is, is a very savvy operator, very experienced operator. Um, Adam's right. Not only of this wonderful dividend history, but over um, the last twenty years, that interim dividend, uh, which they've just recently announced, has grown at about nine percent per year. So that 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 is through thick and thin. Um, uh, so I, I like the business. The one thing I don't like about it is Adam uh, referred to it before is, is their exposure to coal uh, and the rest of it. I, I think that we're going to see a lot of stranded assets in that space over the next decade or so. So on, on a very long term outlook, I've got some s- severe concerns over that. Um, uh, having said that, these guys are very savvy operators. It's not the kind of stock that you're going to buy, and it's it's not like an Altium or something which has the potential to three or four x over the you know mm. the, the next five to ten years. But it is a business that I think will pay a very reliable dividend, give you lots of juicy franking credits. You'll probably see the general earnings of the business meander around about that upper mid single digit kind of level at best, but probably more likely okay. three or four five percent. But that's decent enough, you know. Yeah. I, I just it's a company that is for the bottom draw and you don't have big expectations for, but it's, it's one that'll do you very well in the long term. And also for yield investors, the long term, it's good. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Which are, are being crushed at the moment in so many yeah. different areas. Yeah, okay. no, no, it is very good. All right. Uh, and our final stop, we talked about oil being on its knees and, uh, and oil stocks. What about travel? It's certainly <laughs> on its knees at the moment. Our uh, final stop to take a, a look at, Adam, is Flight Centre. Uh, been in the headlines, capital raise, <laughs> closing down. Wasn't, yeah. It wasn't going great before the virus. No. So they changed their business model before the virus. They changed their business model from, it was very much all about packaging holidays. Yep. You see in the newspaper, they package up your Fiji holiday, give you a great deal, and then you buy it through Flight Centre, and off you go. Fantastic. Yep. Okay, well, now that's all, obviously all gone. But they moved into the corporate travel side of things. And we've seen corporate travel, which is another listed stock, do very, very well in that space. So they changed their business model of mix uh, for that. But then also went through with uh, like a hot knife uh, and basically closed all of these stores, which there were too many stores around town. Every corner you had a flight centre store on. They took that bricks and mortar away and sort of moved to more online. So there's a couple of challenges that they were going through and extra costs Mm. that they were already going through to do this. Now, obviously with and the And then vi- got hit by this. And then with the <laughs> virus. And you can see the share price at sort of $50, $60 up there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's definitely struggling now with the virus. And it's sort of, a, a I think, uh, got the brunt of a lot of our investors' concerns, and rightly so, about that. However, the management is very, very good, and they have not probably got steered them out of waters like this. I think this is unprecedented for the travel industry as a whole. But uh, management are very, very good at what they do. 
They are closing 250 stores uh, around mm. Australia. So that, again, is going to be uh, cost-saving you know, yep. going forward. They raised a truckload of money at $7.40, I think, was the level. Uh, and the, the stock really hasn't seen that level again, sort of 7 bucks. It's sort of 10 11 12 you know, around $9 today uh, with some weakness. So roundabout way, I think it's a buy. I think it's a buy. Mm. Um, because it's 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 on its knees at right. the moment. The issue is, are they are, are they going to be able to continue to operate as a business in six to twelve months' time? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, and I don't think anybody knows the but answer. But good management, to that. Great management, story, yes, yep. is will will do very very well in this business. So, cost cutting um, is it going to be a problem? Yes, there are going to be some more bumps along the road. They're going to have to shed more staff. They're going to have to get this back to bare bones. We know then these kinds of things, when they do happen, uh, it will be a fantastic trade on the other side because Flight Centre have got a very good brand, a very good model, and they, mm. and they actually know what they're doing. So, yeah. Um, Classic straw hat in winter. Straw man All right. in winter. Well, <laughs> so I hope there's a bit more substance uh, in the future. Um, Andrew, do you agree? Yeah, I think I do, largely. I mean, th- there's... Blight Centre is sort of one of these great go-to examples when you want to talk about how investors should should play a bear market. And the GFC was fascinating because shares dropped about 90% top to bottom. And there's a lot of good learnings you can have out of that, whether or not you, you miss the bottom. And, you know, as long as you sort of bought at an attractive discount, five, six years later, you were looking at exceptional returns. And so there is there is a very, there is a very cogent argument um, there. However, again, this is very different. The total transaction volume that they're processing through the business was down between 70 and 80% in March. And that is, and in April, it's going to be worse. Yep. And the full impacts of the lockdown are, are really felt. Now, in the GFC, when you look at, I actually looked it up before coming on, he looked at their total transaction value. It didn't drop in the GFC. And we still saw that 90% top to bottom fall. Um, so, so this is absolutely unprecedented. Um, I think this big capital raise will mean that they do survive. Um, and and they are, as Adam says, you know, screw turner and an, an incredible uh, entrepreneur, incredible businessman. I think that they will do well eventually. The great unknown, though, and this is why it's a little t- bit spicy for me, I, although I can see the argument, I'm, I'm not tempted myself, is that we don't know how long this is going to go on. We've, we've actually tracking extremely well here in Australia, but as Singapore and Japan has shown, it, it, we could be playing whack-a-mole for a long time here yeah. um, unless there is a vaccine or cure that's, that's developed. And, and, and even if the economy, domestic economy largely goes back to normal and we see a resumption of normality there, I think there's going to be a bit of a psychological overhang where people are mm. just probably more yeah. inclined to travel domestically and some of those big overseas mm. holidays are going to be a lot hard. A, a lot, and, people will be a lot more fearful of it, but let's not forget... We're talking unemployment at 10%. So yep. a lot less people are going to even be in a and, position to, and, to and, fathom that. So. And our, our corporates now addicted to Zoom rather than, yeah. <laughs> than, than travel for meeting. Absolutely. So by, we're running out of time. I Andrew, would you be in? No. Okay. No. Right. All right. Okay, gents, we're running out of time. It has been a fabulous hour. It, it has been... Quick, doesn't it? Oh, it goes really quickly. <laughs> and it's interesting because... We have really good discussions, which is what I love uh, about a whole lot of things. So really privileged to uh, have Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners on today. 
Adam, great to see you. Thank and you. Andrew Page, as usual, from Strawman. Really appreciate your time here on the call. So um, it's all we had time for. Just to, to recap on the final five, beta, beta shares financial, no. Ramsey Health, a no. Uh, Oil Search, a no. Uh, Sol Pattinson's, a yes, if you're after yield and return, which so many investors need. And um, uh, Adam has gone the uh, the straw man pick for Flight Centre, <laughs> down on its knees. We'll make a note in the diary in do, two years' time. Do. And Adam, you will be laughing, I'll, I reckon, we'll, and, and buying the beers. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. <laughs> All right, gents, thank you for that. Hopefully you enjoyed the call uh, today. We will have another 10 stocks this time tomorrow between midday and 1pm every trading day here on Ausbiz. If you've got stocks you want to suggest, you can email them in the call at ausbiz.com.au or through our Twitter account. Coming up next after the break, The Pulse. Don't go away.